All right, we'll see how long I stay up here. Although it's kind of safe behind here, you know? Yeah, not so bad. So, yeah, as Jeff said, um, yes, I've been here forever, but so many people say, I don't know anything about you. Um, a little bit about me. We've been here at The Rock for right at 18 years now, my wife and I and our kids. Uh, and we have we've been a part of just about everything here at the church. So when we first moved here, uh, we visited one other church prior to here. Uh, we walked in the door the next week here, and we knew we were home, and we haven't left. We've tried a couple times, <laughs> but God hasn't released us. So uh, it's been qu uh, quite a journey for us. We've learned so much along the way, and, and it's kind of a little bit what I'm going to talk about tonight as far as our relationship journey with Christ and with God. Um, but it never ceases to amaze me what I've learned as I look back. How many of you ever sit and look back at things that have happened in your life? What do we usually look at? All the bad things that have happened in our life? All the things we've overcome? I like to look at, yeah, I see those too, but I try to just kind of go past those. Um, I like to look at what are the great things that have happened in my life? What are the things that uh, God has intersected in my life that I didn't realize at the time? And use that as a stone of remembrance to know the next time I'm facing a tough challenge that, hey, he, he met me over here. I'm pretty sure he's probably going to meet me here too. Easier said than done sometimes. Um, but so it is. So as we talk about a relationship journey with Christ, what is the easiest way for us to live a life fulfilled with Christ? What is the easiest pathway? If you've got that first slide, can you put it up for me? Do you have it? It's my first K drawing. This one's actually really good compared to the next drawing. <laughs> right? The easiest path is straight. Wouldn't it be great if we were walking with God, we heard everything he said, we followed him completely every single time. We didn't misstep. We didn't miss the way. Nothing, right? We'd get from point A to point B really quick, and we love the simplicity of the journey. We'd learn a lot of things along the way, but it might be a shorter journey than what we really have. Think of, um, I think of The Wizard of Oz, or think of board games. Uh, the Game of Life, or Shoots and Ladders, if you play any of those, it'd be great if you could just be at the beginning. You know, Dorothy, if she could just get here and go straight to the Emerald City without all the twists and turns that she took, the movie would be a lot shorter, right? And the games would be a lot shorter, too, if we were able to just take a straight line. But what is, in reality, what does our journey with Christ and our journey in life look like? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? Previous one looks so easy. Why does this one look a little different? Yeah, this is, this is uh, what we call first grade drawing. Don't judge me. This is the best I can do with PowerPoint, you know. That cursor, you know, the mouse doesn't follow what I'm doing because I drew a really straight line. But why do we take so many twists, turns, loop-de-loops, U-turns? Sometimes dead ends. Sometimes we completely turn around and run the other way. Why? When it's so much easier if we were just able to follow God the whole way. So here's where uh, I was hoping for a sophisticated answer. 
when I'm asking the Lord for, you know, in my journey, what have I faced? What have I done that's made it the twisty road? I mean, the Israelites, they were in the desert for 40 years. Did they really have to be there? No. What could have taken a day or a couple days took 40 years. Why? Is you ready for my sophisticated answer? Here's what the Lord told me. Your butts keep getting in the way. Or your but God keeps getting in the way. Yeah, sit and think on that one for a second. So, give you a little history here. <laughs> We've been talking, as Jeff said. Had to twist my arm a little bit to speak tonight. He came up and said, hey, nobody's speaking on the first. Would you be interested? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a message yet, but I don't have a message. But I'm not ready. Um, but I'm terrified, in all honesty. There was a little, a little bit of fear there. Is that any reason to, to stop? Yet at the same time, I'm feeling the Lord going, hmm, yeah, I think I've got a message for you. I think this is what you're supposed to do. And the timing's right, whether you believe it or not. And I'm like, okay, but, and then I, you know, turn. How many have done something like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, here I'm going to. Now, what I'm sharing tonight is not rocket science. Don't think that I have some, something new that you've never heard before. Uh, it might be from a different perspective. But it also is, as we've learned in our journey, so good to have a refresher of some of the things that we've learned that maybe sometimes we've forgotten, we've chosen to forgotten, or uh, we just want to move on. But let's look at a few situations that might have appealed to all of us where a but God scenario might have come in. So the last year here, we've had tons of teaching on healing and prophecy, all right? Has anybody come to all the conferences? Bob Hazlett, Robbie Dawkins, all of it, fantastic on healing and prophecy. How many in here believe that God wants to heal? And then he has prophetic words that are used to encourage you and to challenge you into what he's called you to do. How many believe that? Well, hopefully all the hands go up, right? Okay, how many of you that just raised your hands, uh, you ready? Practice this on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. I know there's a few hands that will go up. What about the rest of us? Why are we not practicing this on a daily basis, a weekly basis, or even a monthly basis? Have you ever said, but what if they don't get healed? What if I get the wrong word? And it doesn't make sense to the person. But I don't feel qualified to do that. Anybody ever? I've been there. I should like uh, pull up my chair. We're preaching to the choir here. I'm part of the choir. Because, yeah, I've done that. I've had the opportunity. A great testimony I had was during the Robbie Dawkins. We sat and we had a staff thing on that Saturday afternoon. And fantastic, you know, left pumped up. Yeah, I can do this. Absolutely. Get hit at the front door with an opportunity. I almost blew it. Lady's walking out the door with her pillow in hand, and I'm like, oh, and she was at a, an adoption training, and it had gone all day. And I said, wow, you came prepared. And she's like, well, no, I've been in pain. My back is out. I know it's an attack from the enemy. 
and I can't even bend down and pick up my purse. My husband has to do all that. I'm like, oh. Luckily, somebody was standing next to me and said, hey, can we pray for you? <laughs> yeah, I missed it. Yet I joined in, and it was, it was fantastic. She was healed instantly when we prayed for her. It was phenomenal. She was able to bend down and pick up her purse. And then the words, I, we shared some of their testimony a couple weeks ago. They live up in Longmont or up Greeley Way, and now they're coming down here on a regular basis, making this their church just because of the power and the presence they felt here. It wasn't anything that I did, but I was just being in a, obedience. Oh, there's another word to what the Lord's called us to do. Okay, let's go to another situation. This is another one we've, especially over the last year as well, have had the opportunity uh, to practice. And uh, anybody got a guess of what it might be? It's okay if you don't. So I'm reading in Romans 12, and I'm reading a scripture the other day, and somebody had said this to me a few weeks ago. When they, when they see me, they, this is what they hear the Lord saying over me, and it's Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. And then the two words that really jumped out, practice hospitality. So one of the areas that we've had for at least a year to practice hospitality is life groups. What a great opportunity for you and me, I haven't done it, to open up our homes, open up our hearts, open up our lives, to share with other people and be practicing how to be hospitable to those that we know or that we might feel more comfortable with because they're Christians which helps us in the training grounds for when we go out into the world and we're facing people that have no clue. But yet, we know how to relate and how to be personable with them, how to practice hospitality. But what do we say? Mm. I don't have time to lead a life group. But I don't have time to volunteer. But my house isn't big enough. Or, but what kind of people are going to be in my house? Lots of ways that we're like, mm, yeah, I don't think I want to. I don't have to do that. We never stop and think, okay, Lord, is that what we're supposed to be doing? The other one is what we did tonight, Dinner at the Rock, the last seven weeks. Huge opportunity for us to practice hospitality. You know, when the scriptures that I just read, I was reading a commentary about it, and those are actually all speaking to the body of Christ, what we're supposed to practice, brotherly love, honoring each other above ourselves, um, clean, you know, fleeing from evil, and practicing the hospitality, sharing with those that are in need, but we don't do it. Now, I'm sharing maybe the downside of our butts. There can also be the flip side. We can go to the other extreme. Probably the best example of that is the story of Mary and Martha in Luke, Luke 10. Here's Martha. She invites Jesus into her home. Every hostess's dream and probably nightmare at the same time. You have a special guest coming. You want everything to be perfect, right? She has her sister Mary there who's supposed to help. Mary gets enthralled with. The Bible says she was sitting there at his feet listening to every word that he had to say. I mean, she's completely where she's supposed to be at the moment. And then what does Martha do come out? 
But Lord, there's so much that has to be done. Tell her to get up and come help me in the kitchen. We can get so busy sometimes. On the other end, oh, let me sit down. This is me. My role here is facilities. My wife, thank goodness, isn't here tonight because this is where she'd be saying a big amen. I can get so busy sometimes with what has to be done here that I miss being. We can get so busy that we've got to get all of this stuff done that when the special guest shows up, we're not even in the room to enjoy the presence of the special guest, to practice the hospitality on them. Yeah, they see what we've done, but we're not sitting there with them. So that's, for me, is very convicting. Like, mm, that's something I need to work on. Don't hold me to that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, here's a harder one. And it's not one we talk a lot about here. It's giving. Have you ever had a but God moment when it comes to giving? Malachi 3.10, what does it say? Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be enough resources. But what does he say in the next scripture? Test me now in this, says the Lord Almighty, Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I love what the message Bible of this says on that part of the scripture. Test me in this and see if I don't op up, open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah, I like that. I like to dream. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'd classify, classify mine some as wild, but uh, hey, I'll take beyond my wildest dreams. Of course, how do we always define God's blessing? It's financial, right? We're always thinking God's going to bless us abundantly in finances, and not saying he won't. But that comes back to where I started at the top, where I said, hey, I like to look back at what God's done in my life and where I've seen blessings, whether it's uh, in my business, in my family, in my health. You know, I haven't been sick or I haven't had major injuries, haven't had to go to the hospital, things like that, that we take for granted that it was God's provision and that he was blessing us through that. So when we read, test me now in this, I'm going to open up heaven, pour out a, a blessing on you. How many read that and mentally agree, hey, that's a great thing? I do. But what happens the next time we come to church and there's a, a, an opportunity for an offering? But I can't afford to do that right now, Lord. Or even better, here's one. I can't afford to do that right now, but when I win the lottery, I'm going to give tons to charity, tons to my church, tons to my family. And I fully believe you, you intend to do that. But I look at... Psalms 5010. What does it say? We know every animal in the forest and the cattle on a thousand hills belong to, the, belong to God. That's a lot when you stop and think about it. What's our mentality? We're stuck with two billy goats and a pen in the backyard. Saying, if, but if I just had one hill, I could do so much. 
And God's sitting up there going, but if you would just do with what I, you have, I could do so much. Our obedience is what unlocks his desire to bless us beyond our wildest dreams. Obedience isn't easy, but it's doable. Agreed? Everybody awake? Anybody having fun? Anybody feeling like I'm being really heavy? I can be that way sometimes. Um, around here, as the facilities director, sometimes I'll walk in and I'm just, hey. And they're like, oh, what do I do now? It's not the reputation you want. <laughs> but you can get things done sometimes. Okay, let's move to an easier subject. Okay, done with giving. How about time with God? Is that an easy one to answer? We all know we're supposed to spend time with him. Did it yesterday morning. Oh, Lord, I'm too tired this morning. But I'll do it tonight before I go to bed. I'll spend time with you when I get home tonight before I go to bed. Then we, get, we come home. There's all kinds of stuff to be done. There's dinner, clean up, you know, have time with the family. And next thing we know, uh, we haven't done anything that evening. Or we get home, we have dinner, we're sitting down with family, and then we're like, I need to spend time with God. But I've got to finish binge-watching my favorite TV show first. Now, I heard a couple circles, yeah, because we've all done it. Well, I won't say all. Some of y'all are better than me. You probably haven't done it, but. <laughs> and then there's times you do spend time with God. You're faithful. You're there every day. You, you're there in his word, you're in worship, but yet you still feel a disconnect. You feel like, I don't understand, but God, I just don't get anything from it. Is it because we're doing it out of duty? Is it we're missing a piece? Could be. I look at what, what are the whys of my but or but God moments? Again, not rocket science. You probably could name off. I have five different things. You could probably name them all off. First one, fear. Plain and simple. Fear of failure. I gave them the wrong word. They weren't healed. Fear of rejection. Fear of man. We're afraid what somebody's going to say, what they're going to do, what they're going to think about us when they see us walking down the hallway next week. They're going to remember something we shared with them, and we're going to walk in fear. We get so caught up in pleasing man that we forget who our audience of one is. How about lack of faith? And may not, you may not say it's faith per se. You might say it's belief or trust in God that he's going to do what he says he does or what he says he's going to do in your life. You have faith that it's going to happen, but at times you don't truly believe it or you don't trust it to happen because uh, we took a turn in our path, and it's not happening the way we think it should. Sometimes it's no clear direction. We haven't spent time with God to understand who he is and what he's saying, so we're not sure of the who, what, where, when, why, and how. So we just wander around aimlessly looking for the next thing that we're supposed to do or that we think we're supposed to do because we're not really sure. 
Uh, free will. God gave us free will. So we can make choices of what we do, want to do and what we don't want to do. Unfortunately, with that comes consequences. There are consequences to our actions, and sometimes we have to walk through those. And they're not easy. Sometimes they're really painful. When you've made a really, really bad choice, sometimes it's just a process that we have to go through. And the easiest one is the enemy, of course. The enemy is not going to bug you. He's not going to be concerned about you. You're not even going to be on his radar. If you're so consumed with all of the buts and the distractions and the entertainment and the things that keep you away from your focus on God, because he knows that you're not going to fulfill what God has destined for you to do in your life, so you're not a threat. But what happens the moment you do? Oh, you're up on his radar. He wants to take you down. Yeah, we're going to face challenges. We're going to face trials, tribulations. We're going to face persecution in his name because we are walking out our faith and our belief and we're proclaiming Christ to those in the world. This is what I love, though. We have to remember, in our weakness, God's made strong. JR talked about it on Sunday. Faith takes risk. We have to be willing to step out. And obedience is what he's looking for. When I, when I sit down and look at all of that, and that was not intentional to sit down as I said that, what does God want to be in my life? He wants to be your refuge, your sustainer, your provider, your leader, your teacher, your friend, your defender, your healer, your encourager, your king. He wants to be a stronghold. He wants to be your hope. He wants to be your comforter, a hiding place, the shepherd, your father. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And because he wants to be that to us, what does he want us to be? He wants us to be free, healed, whole, delivered from darkness, sanctified, forgiven, transformed, a joint heir with Christ, loved, a son or daughter, Safe, redeemed, prosperous, empowered, equipped, and an overcomer. Anybody want that? I do. I totally want that, right? What does it take? I said it a second ago, and I said it quickly. Focus. Focus is vital. Focus is like our battery on our cell phone. You know, they say the standard iPhone battery last two days on an iPhone 6 with minimal use. So basically we're saying effectively we've got to charge this thing every day. And if you're like me, I plug it in my car. I plug it in every time I get in my car because the battery's already low again for it to remain effective and viable. Yet many of us charge our spiritual lives once a week when we come on Sunday. If our focus doesn't stay on God, if we don't stay plugged in to Him and practice hospitality, being with God, we're going to quickly expend our battery and be of no use. We have to get to know the voice of God. We have to know it intimately. God wants to wants to do three things with us. He wants camaraderie. He wants community. 
And he wants communion with you. Camaraderie, what is that? It's trust between friends. It's a familiarity of spirit. Community, it's a small group. A gathering of people that have the same characteristics. God wants to start with you. He wants to be one of your best friends. He wants to trust you and for you to trust him completely. He wants you to be in a community. He wants to be part of that community where we're all moving together and doing something. But most importantly, he wants to have communion with you. And the communion is the hardest because that's where we're, we share our deepest, darkest secrets. We share our hurts. We share our failures on a mental, spiritual level. But God wants all three of those things from us so that he can be all those things I said a minute ago. He wants to do all of those, but it takes our focus. And by focus, the easiest definition, how do we do that? Well, we spend time in his word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time in worship. Absolutely, all of those are correct answers. But it's very important as well when we're in the midst of the battle, we're in the heat of the day, when we're away from our prayer closet, our safe sanctuary, we're out in the world, what do we do then? You know, you can turn to God and ask for his help right there. There's nothing wrong with that. And he's right there walking with you. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we try to do it, on oursel- uh, do it all ourselves. But it also comes back to not letting the other things take priority over our focus on God. Some will say it's the, you know, I can't see the forest because of the trees. We get so busy by the worldly things. Yeah, we have businesses, we have families, we have, you know, responsibilities. All of those are important and you have to do those. But when those become the primary focus or the center of your conversation every time somebody says, hey, what's going on? Well, you know, it's all, it's all good, but, um, yeah, I'm facing this, 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 this. And I'm not saying don't lie, don't tell people when things are going wrong. We have to do that. That's part of the community. But if that's your only focus, if there's never any hope in the conversation that you have, that you say with people, if you never, never realize that God is walking with you, and that's the best part is our journey might be really crazy, but God's with us every step of the way, whether we realize it or not. And it's in the journey that we learn so much about our character, about who God says we are, about what he has for us to do, and the power that he's given us and the ability that we have to be overcomers and conquerors in everything that we face. We just have to choose to believe it, and we can only do that when we get familiar with his voice, and we're only hearing what he says, not what the enemy or the world's saying. He's saying, hey, yeah, you are an overcomer. Yeah. I've got this. Don't worry about it. And we're like, you know, but I, I got to worry about it. I, I'm not sure. I, ha- I haven't figured out yet how I'm going to overcome it. Well, why don't you take it to God? Let him worry about it. And let him give you the answer. So I was looking at uh, a challenge. Go back to the cell phone a second ago. What if you spent each week as much time in his presence as your phone spent on the charger? How, how different might your outlook on life be this next week 
If you spend as much time in his presence, diving into the word, what does he have to say about you? What does he have to say about your situations? How does he want to empower you to bring hope, to speak to other people that you come in contact with? If you spend as much time in his presence as your phone's been on the charger, do you think your life might look a little different next week? I, I care to venture so. Or um, what might happen is we're going to have a whole lot less cell phones here next week because nobody plugged them in. Yeah, they're all dead. And you might be dead too, because you didn't get recharged. So I'm looking at, I'm not back yet, the worship team. Um, I'm, I'm still sitting, I'm, Going back to now thinking about this challenge, because I've been thinking about it all afternoon going, man, what does that add up to? They say the typical full charge for a battery is two hours if it's dead. I don't ever, well, usually don't let it get all the way down, but sometimes I do. So can I give up two hours? I can, but do I? And you can apply that to other areas of your life as well. Do you give up two hours to spend with your kids instead of being in front of the iPad, the computer, the TV, the cell phone, the whatever it may be, all the devices? Do you spend that time? Oh, yeah, I've got to sit down again. Do you spend that time with your, your wife? Do you spend that time with your, your other family? There's so many great things that you have inside of you that people around you need, but yet you don't release it because you don't realize it or you're so consumed with what's going on that you don't realize God's going, hey, they need to hear what you've been through and how you overcame and how I blessed, how I provided for that situation, how I worked through it all, because that's going to be an encouragement to them to take a stand and say, you know what? If God did it, so if I'm to say, what is my call, my challenge for you tonight? is simply to just evaluate where are you at in your relationship with Christ? Where in that circle, that loop-de-loop, -loop, are you in a U-turn right now? Or are you on a straight path? We're all in different places of our journey, and that's the best part. Is to evaluate where you're at. And if, I'm going to stop and say it now, if, if you don't know Christ, if he's not the center of your life, if, if you've never given your life to Christ, and you feel that tug tonight, like there's something there. Tonight is a great night to do it. And I want to give you the opportunity to start that journey that he can be with you, to empower you, to be your father, to be your king, to help bring freedom to you, to help make you a child of God. And if you would like to do that, I'll stop and do it right now if you want to raise your hand.
For the rest of us, we just need to evaluate where we're at. Maybe you... You're in a twist and a turn that you don't know how to get out of. Why don't you stop? Put it down. Don't worry about it. And go back to, God, where are you at? What do you have to say about this? Let me come back and focus on you. Let me look at who you are in my life. Pull up those stones of remembrance to encourage you of what he's done in the past. So as you look at the challenges in front of you, they're easier to overcome because you've already overcome so much already. He's, you're, you have a dream right now that you're waiting for it to be fulfilled. Look back. Have you had dreams in the past that God's fulfilled? Maybe not the way you thought they were going to be, but he's done it. And maybe you're in a great place right now. That's awesome. Keep it up. But it never hurts to stop and think and evaluate where you're at in your journey with Christ. So hopefully the worship team is going to come back here in a second. Um, one of the things I want to say is you don't have to do this alone. So many of us think we do. Um, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes we think it's easier for us to do it by ourselves than to either ask for help or to even ask God for help. But yet... He's right there with us the whole step of the way. And you have a community of believers that you're sitting here tonight, so there's a community of believers that you can be a part of, that you can reach out for help. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this is going on in my life. Can you pray with me? We did it earlier. We prayed for miracles. We prayed for healing. Can it happen? Absolutely. Totally can happen tonight. Do you believe it can happen tonight? And are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone and say, hey, I really need prayer for this tonight. Would you be willing to pray with me? That's not my comfort zone. When I grew up, you know, everything was, you know, you keep it all inside and you don't let it out because everybody's going to look at you differently and look at you weird and you may even get run out of church. So why don't we all stand as we need them get ready here. Did this speak to anybody tonight? Does this make sense to people? Is it a good refresher? Yeah. No, I, you know, it's, it, that's not for my glory. That's not what I want. I want to make sure that the most important thing is that God connected with you tonight and something that I said, and it may not even be related exactly to what I said, but if during that he was like, hmm, hey, and he's saying something to you, then that's what I want you to hold on to. We always enter into worship. This is a great opportunity to let go of all the things going on and to just surrender and say, God, I'm just right here. Lord, I, I may have had a butt today to turn my path the way you didn't want it to be. So I'm going to stop and say, Lord, help me. Show me what I need to do. And walk with me, Lord. Don't neglect the opportunity to spend time in his presence because you're already thinking about, oh, 
but I've got to go to the store on the way home. I need to get milk. Uh, I need to get eggs. I need to do this. Oh, yeah, I've got to, you know, I've got to make sure I get laundry into the dryer before tomorrow morning. Yeah, no, stop. Enjoy his presence because we don't do it enough to get filled back up, to face tomorrow. So when you have the opportunity, don't cut it short. Enjoy it while you can. And that's what I have to say to us.